So what we try to do is to share with you things that will be helpful. You wonder what I'm doing here. This is not a PA system, really. But they want to do some recording, so we'll see what happens. And I want to share something today, that I or tonight, this evening, that I trust will be real help to you kids. Have you, have you ever been betrayed by a friend? I have. And let me tell you, it hurts. One of the biggest betrayals I ever had was the fact that I had, in the position I was in as the head of an organization, was the president of an organization in another country, and I had gotten this man every single accolade, as they call him, every award you could get in our organization, even to be the top in the entire organization of not only this country, that country, but this country as well. And this man turned around, and I had a position that he wanted in another organization, and he turned around and did everything he could to get that position from me. He lied about me. He made enemies for me, did everything he could. He didn't get the position. God saw to that. But the tragedy was I was terribly hurt. I faced him with it. He couldn't argue. I had the proof. He never apologized. To this day, it's hi. I say hi. I don't hold a grudge because it's not mine to hold. It's in that Lord's hands. But when you're betrayed, it's called a double cross. It's one of the things I learned as a young man in the gang I pelled us. We all, all athletes. We never did, the three rules in our gang, no smoking, no drinking, no dating. So we never dated girls. We never smoked, never drank alcohol. All we did was play sports. And, of course, we got into a lot of fights, which were used fists only. If anybody had ever drawn a knife in our gang or any other gang, their own gang would have dumped right on them and taken care of them because everything was done with fists. But the gang I had, we were, was with, we were taught, don't double cross. Don't double cross. You stick, you're a real friend. You stick with it. And boy, we stuck with each other. We really did. But you know, there's a story in the Bible. In fact, there's a couple of them, really, about what is known as a real double cross. Two guys in particular. Now imagine, imagine living for over three years with a man who you knew had to be from that world. There is no other explanation. You couldn't help but know that. His name, of course, was Jesus. Imagine being with him for over three years. You watched him as he would walk the streets of that country. He never went more than 200 miles from center in his lifetime. But he would walk the streets. People would come to him with all kinds of diseases. You take leprosy. Contagious. Man, it was contagious and guaranteed death. Today they have an antidote that can stop it. Back then they didn't. And being so contagious, if one in the household got it, they were immediately expelled from the household and they had to make their living by begging and they were required to cry out as they begged, unclean, unclean. What they were saying is, I have leprosy. No one got near them. They would walk on the other side of the road because they were contagious with this horrible disease that would rot the body, literally. Fingers would rot, then hands. They'd lose their fingers, their hands. They'd lose their toes, their feet. It started at the extremities, and you, I saw pictures of those with leprosy. No fingers, no hands, just stubs. Same with the feet. I saw part of the face was gone. Horrible disease. People were terrified of it. They kept away from it. Jesus would walk up. He could lay his hand on the disease. He'd speak the words. 
immediately the man was healed. Now, wait a minute. That meant if he didn't have a hand, he got one put back on. Oh, yeah, Jesus did everything right. Jesus did the miracle. Imagine seeing this. Here's a man, Bartimaeus, he's blind. Imagine seeing him receive sight. He had never seen in his life. In fact, the Greek indicates, the Greek language indicates he didn't even have eyeballs in the sockets. They were empty. And see, imagine walking up to a grave where the man's been dead four days. Lazarus, come forth! And the man comes out of the grave alive. A young man's being carried to the burial place. He's going to be buried. His mother's weeping, and Jesus stops the procession. Asks why she weeps. He knows why she's weeping. He's stopping it for a reason. He wants the people to hear. She said, my son, my only son is dead. He said, don't cry. He goes up to the bier, as they called it, like the casket. Said to the young man, come, arise. Man comes to life. The little girl is dead. She's 12 years of age. They're going to bury her. He says, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. He walks up to her and says, daughter, arise. Takes her by the hand. She gets up. He's on the, on, the, uh, on the boat. The waves are 20, 30 feet high. These are fishermen. They're used to storms. They're terrified. It had to be like a hurricane. They knew they were going to drown. No hope. Jesus is sound asleep in the boat. They wake him up and they scream, Master, we're going to perish. He gets up. He doesn't raise his hand. He doesn't shout. All he says is, peace be still. Instantly, the wind, the waves, deathly calm. The disciples looked at each other and they said, what kind of a man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. They lived with him for over three years and saw literally hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of miracles. Now I want you to take your Bible and turn to the Gospel of Luke. We've had a Bible drill, so you know where Luke is, I'm sure. Luke chapter 22. Now remember the background. They've been with him over three years, seeing all these phenomenal miracles. Luke chapter 22. Beginning to read with verse 39. Luke 32, or 22 39. And Jesus came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And when he was at a place, he said unto them, Pray ye that ye enter not into temptation. And when he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, he kneeled down and prayed, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer, he was come to his disciples, and he found them asleep. And he said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter in temptation. While he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them, drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? And they which were about him saw that what would follow. They said unto him, Lord, shall we smite them with a sword? One of them smote the servant of the high priest, cut off his right ear. Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him immediately. And Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders which were come to him, Be ye come out against me as a thief with swords and staves and clubs. When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. Verse 57. And he denied him, Peter, saying, Woman, I know him not. 
verse 58, and Peter said, man, I am not. And about the space of an hour afterwards, he was approached again. He said, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately when he was spake, the cock crew, Jesus said unto Peter, you'll deny me three times. Matthew account tells how he literally swore the second time. Third time he cursed and swore and said, I don't know the man. The cock crew. Now we have two men, Judas and Peter, both double-crossed Jesus Christ. They'd seen the miracles. Judas comes up, goes up to Jesus, and gives him a kiss. And Jesus said, betray us to the Son of Man with a kiss. He had been paid $52.80, 30 pieces of silver, for that, to betray Jesus. He had double-crossed the Lord Jesus. He had seen the miracles. He knew, had to know Jesus was the Son of God. He had to know Jesus had eternal life. He heard enough about it in the preaching. Do you know, young people, that Judas was not even a Christian? No, Judas was not a Christian. The Bible tells us that. The Gospel of John tells us that. He was not a Christian. Turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 70. He hung around with Jesus all those days and wasn't even a Christian. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? And he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. For it was he that should betray him, being one of the twelve. John chapter 6, verse 71. Judas wasn't even a Christian. Now let me, th- let me ask you this, gang. Think about this. Here he had been with Jesus for over three years. He'd seen all these miracles. He heard him say, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life come down from heaven. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. I will put within you well springing up into everlasting water, uh, life. And he goes on and on and on. And Judas hears all of this. And for three and a half years, Judas hears it and never, never makes a decision to truly follow Jesus Christ. I wonder how many of you kids here today, this evening might be like that. Now, wait a minute. God told the apostle Paul, write it. Make sure you're in the faith. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. He told Peter, write it. Make sure your your election and calling is sure. Make sure you're a Christian. Why? Hear this, gang. Because in Matthew 7, verse 21, 22, and 23, Jesus said, many, literally the word in Greek is the majority. The majority are going to say to me in that day, what day, Lord? You look in your Bible. It's the great white throne judgment, the last judgment in the Bible. Everybody that comes before that judgment is going to be cast in the lake of fire. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, I, I prophesied in thy name. That means I preach the truth of the Bible. That doesn't make you a Christian. You can be a person that leads someone to Jesus Christ. That doesn't make you a Christian. You just know the Bible. And the Word of God will do the work because the Holy Spirit takes it and does it. You can preach the Bible. You can preach and win people to Jesus and still not be a Christian. I have a board member. In fact, his daughter was here today. He led singing for an evangelist. He went and he trained counselors. He led people to Jesus. One day he came into this church, to the place, I mean, where the pastor was, the parsonage there, in the office. He came in and the pastor said, oh, Ted, hi, how are you? What can I do for you? He said, Pastor, you just come back from now, an overseas trip, working with this evangelist. He said, I want to become a Christian. He thought he was kidding. Ted says, I've never been saved. I know all the words. I know all the verses. I know all of it. I've never accepted Christ. And he was right. He never had. The only person that knew he had was his twin sister. And she went to Bible school with my wife. And she said, pray for Ted. He's not a Christian. People all think he is. The family thinks he is. He's not. She says, there's no oneness of the Spirit. He was 
Jesus said that. Second, many are going to say, Lord, I cast out demons in your name. You can't cast out a demon unless you do it in the name of Jesus and the blood that was shed. That doesn't make you a Christian. Jesus said so. Doesn't make you a Christian. I did wonderful works in your name, Lord. Not in the church's name, denomination's name, my name. I did them in your name. Then the Bible says, Jesus is going to say to these people, I profess unto you now, I have never known you. I never knew you. Get out. Kids, ask yourself the question, are you a Christian? Judas was with Jesus three and a half years. He wasn't. He was a demon. Literally, he was demon-possessed. He went to hell. He hung himself. And he went to hell. Serious business. He double-crossed Jesus because he wasn't a Christian. Maybe that's the reason some of you kids are not bowing your head to pray when you go into school and you're supposed to be a Christian. Maybe that's why you're not reading your Bible. Maybe that's why you're not praying because you're faking it because you're not a Christian. To be a Christian, you have to admit to the God that made you you're a sinner. You can't save yourself. Jesus alone can give you eternal life. You have to turn from your stinking, filthy sins. And kids don't want to do that. They want to take Jesus and all their rotten sins and say, we're all going to heaven. I got news for you. It's not going to happen. Jesus said, I tell you no. Except you repent, you're going to perish. He said it twice. Luke 13, verse 3 and verse 5. He repeated it twice. It's, he means it. Turn from sin. Okay, Judas was not a Christian. He double-crossed Jesus. But there was another one named Peter. He was a Christian. He was a Christian. What did he do? He hauled off and he heard the good news. He said, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He admitted he was the Christ. He was his Savior. He was a Christian. What did he do? Now listen to it. He was there in the garden. Big bravado. Draws his sword. He's the one that did it. Another, Matthew account tells it. Chopped off the ear of the high priest's servant. Jesus said, put up your sword. In the Matthew account, he says, all I have to do is ask my father. Now listen to this. Ask my father and he will immediately send me over 72,000 angels. One angel destroyed 185,000 fighting men in the Old Testament. Sennacherib's army completely wiped it out. One angel. One angel went through the Egypt and slew the firstborn and literally thousands upon thousands died. One angel. He says, I got over 72,000 that would immediately come. Put up your sword and he healed the ear of the person. One day Jesus was talking to Peter prior to this and he said, Peter, all will forsake me. Not I, Lord. Not me. I'll stand with you. And there in the garden he brings out the sword. I'll stand with him. Now he's following Jesus afar off. That was his first mistake. Jesus is going. He's following him afar off. As he does, he gets to a fire. He's with the wrong crowd. That's his big mistake. He's with the worldly crowd. Warms his hands. A little girl comes up to him. Say, you're one of them. Your speech betrays you. He said, I don't know the man. A little later on, someone else comes along and says, I saw you with one of them. He curses. I don't know him. Third time, someone else says, you are one of them. He swore. He damned. He cursed. He said, I don't know him. And all of a sudden, he heard the cock crow, the rooster crowed, and Peter realized Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times before that cock crows when you hear it crow. He'll have done it three times. And Peter, what did he do? He walked away from the crowd. He goes out and he weeps bitterly. He cries. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What happened to Peter later on? Later on, Peter's coming to the end of his life. 
He's going to die now. They're going to take his life. And they said, we're going to do to you what we did, what the Romans did to Jesus. We're going to nail you to a Roman gibbet. We're going to kill you. Peter says, please. They think he's going to ask for his life. He's an older man now. Please, don't crucify me like Jesus. Oh, you don't want to die. Oh, it's not that. But I don't deserve to hang in the same position that he did. Put the cross head down. Turn it upside down. They did. They nailed him and they put the top of the cross in the hole and he's hanging upside down. That's the way he died. What made the change in Peter? Now hear it, gang. He double-crossed Jesus Christ three times. What made the change? What made the change is he came to a place when he allowed God to be controlling him and the blessed Holy Spirit that indwells every born-again believer. Because Paul says, if you, Bible says, if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you're not of His. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not of His. That's Bible. Paul's what know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. He's speaking to those at Corinth. They were the most carnal Christians you could want to meet. In fact, the church died because of its immorality and all the rest. And he said, you have the Holy Spirit when you're born again. Your body's a temple of God, the Holy Spirit. What know ye not? 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 6. Your body is a temple of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus rose again. On the 50th day, the Feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. Now, he didn't come because they were up in the upper room praying. They could have been sleeping. They, they, had, they had nothing to do with it. It was the 50th day. He was coming on that day. Go into your Bible and you see in the Feast of Pentecost, 50th day, there he came. And when he came, he indwelt the believer. Peter had the Holy Spirit indwelling him. Now, when we accept Christ Monday night, the Holy Spirit is the one that convicted you. When you invited Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit came in and made your body God's temple. Bible says that. Then, God the Holy Spirit wants to control you. And Peter came to that place where he allowed God to be God in his life and he said, you can control me. After that, he was so bold for the Lord, he was finally crucified upside down. Paul did the same thing. He said, you can have me, Lord. I'm crucified with Christ, Paul said. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ lives this life through me. And this life that I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I'm yours. And Paul went around like a blaze of fire. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was thrown into jail. He was killed. Literally, they believe at Lystra. He died because he said, I went into the third heaven. First heaven is where the birds are. Second heaven is where the stars are. Third heaven is where God is. He said, and I saw things that I can't even talk about. Many believe he died that day. And when God allowed him to take a little glimpse and brought him back, as he did with John the Beloved in the book of Revelation, he took him up into heaven to take a look at what was going on so he could write what God wanted in the book of Revelation. It's a phenomenal thing. And Paul came back. He said, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of the mind of man the things that God hath prepared for those that love him. He laid his head down. They took a, a sword one day and they chopped off Paul's head. He said, I'll die before I'll double cross Jesus. They would go to the stake. I mentioned last week, Ron's reading, the, Ron's reading, our counselor's reading Fox's Book of Martyrs. They'd go to the stake and they'd throw their arms around the stake. What are they doing? They're throwing their arms on that which is going to kill them. They're going to be tied to the stake. And if they were tied in Nero's garden, they would pour liquid wax over them and make them human candles. Burn them to death. Otherwise, they'd have this, this fire all around them. Put the, put the torch to the wood and there they are. What are they doing? Begging for mercy? No, they're singing the praises of God. Why? They know in a few moments they're going to be in the presence of Jesus. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. They were different. They didn't double cross. They're willing to die. 
They had their arms pulled out of their sockets by horses. They were torn apart. They were beaten. They were cut asunder. The Bible tells us the horrible things that were done to them. Yet they weren't going to double-cross Jesus. I want to ask you kids a question. What does it take for you to double-cross the Lord? Wait a minute. That little prayer at lunchtime? You don't bow your head. Why? Well, the kids will see me. You're ashamed of Jesus. That's a double cross. Yes, it is. Kids haul off and they take Jesus' name in vain. Ah, and they swear. Use the name of Jesus Christ. What do you do? You pretend you didn't hear it. Instead of turning and say, pardon me. Is he a friend of yours? Who? Jesus Christ. You just mentioned his name. He's my Savior. I wonder if you knew him. I had my kids in high school. My Bible club do that very thing. The kids would swear. They'd bang right on him. Is he a friend of yours? Do you know let me tell you about him. He's my Savior. I'm a witness. That's why they won so many kids to Christ. They shook a whole high school for God. Why? They weren't going to double-cross Jesus Christ. They're going to stand for God. How much does it take? A little peer pressure? The kids mock you out? Oh, you're a Christian. They did that to my gang in the school. It was fabulous. One guy came up to one of the kids. He says, you mean you're a Christian? The kid looked at him and says, you mean you're not? He says, no. Well, let me tell you about it. My kind of guy. Why? God was in charge of their life. They were being controlled by the Lord. They said, hey, we're going to do the job. Kids, what's it going to take for you to double-cross Jesus Christ? Not much for most kids. Most Christian kids, they'll go the way of the world. Yeah, we'll go, we'll do this, we'll have this, we'll do that. Why? Well, I don't want to be different. Yeah, I do want to be different. If you're born again and you're a child of God, you are different. All things have passed away. All things become new. You're a child of the king. One of these days, you're going to be in heaven forever. One of these days, you're going to be sitting with the Lord Jesus in the glories. One of these days, the Bible says we're coming back with the Lord to rule and reign in this world for a thousand years. It's called the millennium. Then we're going back with the Lord to heaven. And God, then the angels, the devil's going to be released again. And it's going to, all hell's going to break loose. God's going to destroy with fire. He's going to cast the devil and the beast, false prophet, and all the ungodly into hell. And we're going to have heaven forever. I'm a member of the heavenly family. Man, I'll tell you, I can throw my shoulders back, square my shoulders and say, I'm a Christian. You don't want to double-cross Jesus, do you? Well, let me tell you, if you come to it, we're crossroads. The only way it's not going to happen is if you will allow God to be in charge of your life. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, not your life. You don't have that to give. Your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is the least you can do, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. You don't want to be poured into the world's mold. You want to be different. And you'll never double-cross the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter repented and went on to be a giant of God and the Lord allowed him to write, be the, be the writer for two books as God was the author. First and second Peter. How about you kids? Problem he had is he slept when he was supposed to pray. He resisted while Jesus submitted. He followed afar off. He sat down with the wrong crowd. He denied the Lord, denied the faith, and finally repented and got right and went on for God. How about you? I trust you kids will get this week determined. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. Your counselor can tell you how because we, we've shared with them 
But Dr. A.W. Tozer, that great John of God, shared with me as a 24-year-old boy, a young man, he shared with me how to let God program my life. Gang, there's nothing like it. Let God program you. Let's pray. Father, I pray these kids will understand what's been said. They'll have heard the ears of their heart, and they'll realize the devil's going to do everything he can to get them to double-cross the Lord Jesus. But may they allow you, Lord, to be so in control that when the time comes, they'll take their stand. They'll have the intestinal fortitude, as the kids say, they'll have the guts needed to take their stand for Jesus Christ. I commit them to you, Lord. Give them a fabulous evening. Watch over them. Take care of them for Jesus' sake. Amen. You're dismissed. Go to your next place down to Miss Kate's place.